and welcome back to Croatia Arena, where we are collecting and talking to very bright minds and very exciting people and discuss very hot topics that worry us a lot. And today's our topic is uh, whether the future is going to go digital only, if we're only going to be remote 100% of the time, or if things are actually going to go back to normal. And today we have, as usual, amazing speakers and guests. I'd like to introduce you to Peter O'Neill, independent analyst and consultant. And Peter has almost 40 years of experience in IT industry, and 12 of which he actually spent at Forrester Research uh, as an analyst and research director. Peter, welcome to Croatia Arena. Yeah, thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Looking forward to this discussion. Uh, interesting also... about back to normal. We'll come back to that, I suppose, in a few moments, what you mean by that. We also have here with us Brian Seegers, President and Senior Consultant and Tech Systems. And uh, Brian has over 25 years of CRM business process management experience. Brian, welcome to Croatia Arena. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. All right. And as always, my dear friends and uh, Director of Global Sales Enablement, Eric Hale with Croatia. Eric, good to have you back. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. So, gentlemen. Um, we are now what in the seventh month of uh, the pandemic, right? Uh, we are our month of now uh, kind pandemic. of uh, adjusted to the fact that we're actually staying at home most of the time, working from home. Some people are going back to the offices. But the topic of our discussion today is what's going to happen in the nearest future, right? How it's going to look to us if we're going to be, uh, you know, changing the making the switch and going 100% digital or if. With some time, uh, you know, another six months, maybe another year, things are going to go back to normal and we're actually going to be uh, back to constant travels uh, and, you know, face-to-face -face meetings. And we usually start our discussion with some opening thoughts, uh, opening uh, statements. And um, Peter, if you want to go first, uh, please. Okay, are we going to go back to how it was before? Um, I'd like to address that by just considering that uh, most companies around the world we're already are already facing a disruption, a disruption or a transformation to uh, to digital type of way of doing business. I mean, the, the term digital transformation has become almost a cliche and it's applying and being addressed across most every industry and uh, most every geography. Now, of course, there are many people that were obstructing even this digital transformation in many companies. Um, human resources people that would say, well, it's not really good and effective to have people working from home because we don't know if they're going to be efficient. We don't know if they're going to be working all the time. Uh, we have no control over them uh, or, or view of their work anymore. Um, there are lots of sales executives who are a bit reluctant to allow the encroachment of e-commerce e into what they thought was their part of the business their salespeople going out and selling through their personality and their ego. So there, there have been a lot of objections and obstructions to the general trend of digital transformation um, out there. Um, and what's happened? Well, I mean, the last seven months, as you just said, Alex, um, we've had the COVID-19 crisis. Work from home has become reality, necessity. Selling and marketing digitally has become those as well uh, and i think many companies have learned out of it already that it works you don't have to prevent people working from home you don't really have to worry about e-commerce and, and electronic channels and digital marketing and digital selling even 
um, can cannibalizing your business or your business channels. Uh, it's it's the way of the future and it works in organizations. So I suppose if you'd like me to say something controversial, um, <laughs> a lot of those crabs who are trying to stop progression have now been washed away by that COVID-19 wave that has come across the beach. Okay, so, all right, interesting point. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? Is it, yeah, uh, is it all gonna stay the same or we're gonna go back to normal? Uh, I think it's going to be somewhere somewhere in between. Uh, I think to Peter's point, I think it's there were many companies already had made that move. Uh, my wife happens to be in corporate companies travel already. Uh, she's worked from a home office for since my oldest son was born 18 years ago, um, and she was the only one when that first started. She had a 45 minute commute. When they said you need to come back to work, I said no, and they said okay, um, you can work from home. Now everybody in her office works from home. There were large, they had large uh, offices in our area. Those offices have closed and centralized. So that, I think the medium, smaller size companies were the ones uh, exactly to Peter's point and sales, a lot of inside type sales companies were of the thought that it can't be done exactly to his point, they won't work, et cetera. So I think that's that, that's all true, but I do think, and I'm already starting to even see some pushback on this now, we will go back somewhere in between. If I had to put a percentage on it and make one up, 70%, 60% of, at least in my world, things we do did face-to-face -face first before, like um, project kickoffs, sometimes large sales, meetings where you really want to talk and see and, and deal with that's still going to be better in person we've got customers uh asking for that now we're asking literally will you come out like in a month we're going to do a kickoff will you come out if we say yes to you um, so there's still a hunger for that there's still a need for that there's still face to face that's not going to go anywhere but i think the percentage of work you know we've been doing probably most of us on this call have been doing web meetings in one form or another for the last heck 10 or 15 years when WebEx was king, right? Um, and now, uh, you know, and 90% of the population have no idea what a web meeting is. And now because of the pandemic, 98% of the population, including my parents uh, and, you know, older people are used to it now as well. So it has become much more of a norm. Uh, but as far as 100% digital or even 99% or 95% digital, I think once the pandemic goes away, we will see a shift. I think you will see some people go to more normal work, but there are some things that just, I hope and I believe will, will be face-to-face -face still. Okay, interesting. Um, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I know these are supposed to be controversial, Alec, but uh, it's it's hard to argue with uh, you know both Brian's and, and and Peter's points. You know, to to Brian's point, I think you know after the pandemic, um, you know, I think it's it's going to be a necessity for the global economy to recover, right? Like if we don't, if we go strictly digital, there's going to be a lot of empty office space. There's going to be a lot of uh, businesses that will not. Uh, survive if we don't go back to uh, a physical presence. But um, and to Peter's point, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, but a lot of organizations had digital initiatives uh, prior to COVID, but they were being hindered. They were being um, held back uh, for the various reasons that you listed. Um, and what COVID did is it forced us to accelerate those digital transformation efforts because it's not necessarily um, a way to 
uh, increase your efficiency or um, improve processes within your organizations. But now it's a matter of survival, right? Um, if you don't have a digital uh, option uh, to uh, maintain business continuity, you you could fail, right? And it's it's COVID now, but you know we have other disasters that cause uh, disruptions to our business. Like we just had a, a hurricane here on the West Coast, uh, on the East Coast. Um, you know, we were out, we've been without power for a, a couple of days now. Um, you know, Brian, in your area, the earthquakes, fires, uh, you know, these can be uh, temporary uh, disruptions to your, uh, to your business. And if you don't have a digital strategy uh, to have that business continuity, um, it, it could affect your ability to, to survive in this world. So I think we're being accelerated. And I think that if we don't have that, that strategy going forward, um, it could put a lot of people in, in, in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Well, honestly, um, you know, as much as I love traveling and as much as I love uh, meeting, you know, customers and prospects face to face, and as much as I believe that a face to face meeting is more productive, is more efficient, right? Uh, you get better results and you can read the room, you can understand, right? Uh, you better how exactly it's all going. I still think that we are going to be moving towards digital only to be honest and maybe that's an unpopular opinion uh, right here and right now among the four of us right but i think that uh there are going to be new technologies that are going to be emerging there are going to be uh, better ways of conducting online meetings right or create this digital presence this online presence uh so that the world uh can still kind of feel the same as it used to be but it's never going to be the same again right and there are many things, there are many ways in how exactly this is going to make the world better, right? Think about uh, the uh, carbon monoxide emission, uh, think about, you know, all the air pollution, think about all of the traveling, right, and problems that are connected to it. And I honestly, I, mean, I truly believe that this pandemic has been very critical in making this switch, right? Because the world has been moving to digital over the years. Uh, we have been, I mean, I've been conducting meetings with customers for the past eight years. Brian, you said yourself, right? We were, uh, you were doing this for 12 years or 15 years when we first had WebEx, right? And over with every year, those technologies become better and better, right? And you can actually uh, have a more productive meeting online, right? And now they're only going to get better a lot faster because the next tech uh, startup or tech company that comes up with something exceptional is going to revolutionize the world, right? And they're going to take over, right? So everybody is now looking at this new opportunity to actually create a technology that is going to uh, completely change the world of online meetings. Yeah, that's definitely right. I mean, uh, Winston Churchill once said when uh, I think he was supporting the proposal for United Nations just after World War II, you should never waste a good crisis. Uh, and I think there will be quite a lot of new innovative companies and technologies and platforms emerging out of this crisis that are going to be very important in, in, in five to ten years time and new ways of working. I mean a little bit of deja vu in my mind. I mean I, I was I've been in ministry as as you said Alex for decades, many decades. I remember and I'm based out here in Germany by the way, I remember here in Germany in uh, I think the start of the 1990s um, I was traveling around in the name of Hewlett Packard, HP, evangelizing about email, talking to companies about the importance and uh, the emergence of email and how that will replace the way that people have been communicating <laughs> to date. And 
I mean, I was getting shaking of heads. I was getting no way and so on. Uh, and I mean, 10 years later, I just recall every time I land in Stuttgart airport and in Stuttgart airport, it's, there's no fingers there. You get out and get onto a bus. The bus takes you to the, uh, the building. And I just look at all these older executives, German executives. They've just been to China. They've just been to Sweden, whatever. They were certainly of the generation that were telling me 10 years before, no way will it happen. What were they doing? Just taking out their mobiles from their coat pockets and starting their email and checking their email before they even get back to the building. Um, so there's a lot of initial, maybe emotional rejection and, and uh, discussion about lots of changes, but at the end of the day, it happens. Um, something else that I did, this is about 10 years ago when I was at Forrester, was uh, helped to write a report that was called Death of the B2B Salesman. My word, did that get some critique. Um, <laughs> obviously, it was a literary title. It was something to be remembered. And actually, those people who did write the report, most of the people who criticized it didn't write the, read the report because they weren't clients of Forrester. But those who saw inside the report realized that we were talking about the role of sales changing because of the emergence of automation, such as e-commerce, such as buyers doing their own research, asking questions, and really knowing much more about the products when they actually do get to meet a salesperson. So their expectations of the salesperson in that meeting were totally different, or going to be totally different. And we talked about the order taker type salesperson would be eradicated, one million of them in the US at that time. Um, but the consultative type salesperson and inside sales as a department would be even more important for the success of companies. And that's exactly what's happened. Now, in the last couple of months, I'm sorry to dominate the conversation, the last point to make here, the last couple of months, there's been an explosion in purchasing of sales enablement software. Mm -hmm. So platform software to enable the salesperson not only to have conferences like this, but to share relevant contextual content with a customer in these types of conversations. Um, to maybe even prep the salesperson before the meeting with insights about customer intent, about where has that buyer been before, what information has that person collected. And then maybe even before the meeting, that salesperson has become, has got a one minute or two minute little video, which is then training them or coaching them on demand in the context of that meeting that's about to appear. That is all possible now with technology. And there are large companies that want to take advantage of it now because of the advent of this crisis and the consequences that we all see coming. Mm -hmm. I, I, well, one, I never like to hear the, the death of a B2B salesman. That, that's always uh, not, not a term I want to hear. But I, but I couldn't agree more with what you say, is that we've had to adapt. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked about this, uh, you know, before, um, you know, consumers are, are more educated and as more and more tools become available, um, businesses are going to have to adapt. In sales, you're absolutely right, Peter, we've had to adapt and now uh, that's my role here at, at Creatio is to ensure that sales reps are uh, equipped uh, to handle this this new reality, uh, it's no longer can you sell on uh, features or functionality, right? Uh, that can all be researched online. You can do a side by side comparison. Uh, customers are very educated, but it's really how do we understand, um, you know, how do we provide value uh, to that uh, to that individual? And we uh, become consultants more so than uh, sales folks. And I think that that um, is not only true in sales, but 
if you think about how we have to look at uh, multiple industries, um, you know, we've done a lot of uh, webinars on financial services. If you think about um, banks, credit unions, uh, with all these brick and mortar locations that had to close down uh, for, for COVID, right? They may have had a drive-through uh, uh, option for you to go in or maybe make an appointment to come in and talk to a banker, but they had to find new ways to support their customers digitally. So what happens uh, now that they've realized that, man, we can really be efficient in managing our customer base uh, you know, uh, digitally. Uh, we have digital banks, we have FinTech, we have all of these di different uh, organizations that are out there now and uh, they're growing uh, you know, faster than traditional banks. Uh, so there's a company called Chime. They're adding, uh, they already have over uh, 2 million customers and they're adding more customers uh, per month than Wells Fargo and Citibank, uh, very, very large banks. Uh, so they're becoming more popular. So when we realize that we can be efficient, it's how do we actually retrain our workforce that was traditionally on site in brick and mortar locations and transform them into uh, this, digital, uh, this digital world that we live in? How do we become more efficient? How do we become more effective? So I think the role, not just in sales, but of, of people in multiple industries are going to have to evolve. And um, it's also something that in your digital transformation process, uh, companies are going to have to uh, understand as well. How do we retrain and repurpose our, our workforce? Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually another thing that I wanted to uh, discuss, right? And uh, Brian, the question actually is going to go to you. So you mentioned that some of your customers that you're working with right now, right? They already start asking if uh, you're going to come down, um, you know, on site to do some uh, scoping, to do some sessions like in a month or like sure. But what is the, like out of 100% of all the customers that you work with, right, that you're kicking off some projects, like what is the percentage of those that are asking for this, right? Is the demand of your customers actually high on like doing these face-to-face -face, or is it more of an, an exception, right? And this is not so common. Um, you know, I think for prospects, I think for new customers, you don't know yet. It, it seems like it's 50-50, to be honest. A lot of our newer deals, uh, we're, we're, well, the interesting thing is we're, we're being told that a lot of customers will not come out. Our pop, um, consultants, sales organizations will not come out. Uh, and we're being asked, and we're, we're open to travel if need be, um, but we have a prospect in San Diego and a prospect in Virginia. Both are, more, you know, even, even at cost, uh, would prefer us to be on site for at least initialization. Now, on our, across our customer base, it's really not a demand at all and hasn't been even pre-COVID. You know, we probably, we probably did 98% of our ongoing consulting work, even ongoing large project work for existing customers uh, remotely digitally. So it, it seems, I think it's, it's that familiarity. It's people you don't know. Uh, it's processes that where the, the, the in-person can be more efficient. Sometimes it's just that, right? I mean, as good as the tools are, um, until somebody invents the, the Star Trek hologram thing where we can all sit in a room and still kind of look each, each other and, and better see reaction and emotion, uh, because in a small group, we can do what we're doing right now easily and kind of get that emotional feel or that feedback in a conversation of what somebody's saying or how they're saying it or how they're reacting to what you're saying. 
But when you get into a room of 10, you're going to lose that a little bit. Um, as well as I think, I think it's a struggle and some of this will just get better and better as we move on the flow of a call or a meeting of who's talking and who's not. It's much harder to interrupt sometimes or much easier to interrupt and talk over people sometimes, which, which gets a little clunky. Quick side note, um, I was just thinking about the, when, when we were talking, we were talking about the future, right? And there's the near future and there's the long future. We were talking about the, the interesting thing about the, the longer future, future, future is I, I, I look at my kids and I talk to my friends about our kids and we talk about how much they now do to actual interaction. Their day-to-day -day interaction is, is way more digital than we always complain about it. Go outside, go see your friends, go to their house. Um, and, and, you know, other than sports, that's become less of the norm. And now they're being pushed to do that even in school, which isn't as big a deal for them as it is for us. Um, but, you know, most of the kids I know, their day-to-day -day interaction is already massively digital. So as they become into the workforce in the next five, 10, 15 years, you're going to see that be more. And as they grow into management, especially, I think that will also push more digital interaction. They're, they're going to be even probably less comfortable or less needing of an on-site, on-face. So I think in the near future, we'll go back, but we'll, just like everything, I think that one of my dumb sayings is, the only thing I know for sure about your business is in the next year, it will change. Um, and that's been true for the last 27 years. And, some, and I think the range in which it changes has, has accelerated, right? It used to be, you know, over the next year, you're going to have some significant change. Now it seems like over the next three or four months, you're going to have some significant change. And can we be agile? Digital lets us be more agile. Um, and so this all getting everybody more used to that has helped that. But I think that's the one of the thoughts as far as 100% digital hopefully never happens. But I think it'll go more towards that. And I think over time, it'll go even farther more towards that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and thank you very much for this, um, for this, for these thoughts. I think uh, you hit the spot right there when you said that, you know, the next generation is going to change the, uh, change the business reality, change the environment completely, right? Because they are already more proficient in technology than uh, even we, right? Or they're going to be more proficient, like in uh, the nearest years, right? They are already adapted. They're kind of used already to being remote, to being, you know, to this digital interaction, right? Through multiple platforms, uh, you know, even their home education, right? It's all digital with schools, with colleges, and with everything else. And that, yes, they are going to be more independent. They're going to be less dependent on live interaction, right? And again, and technology is like still, right? I'm really hoping for those holograms, like uh, holograms as in Star Trek, because I think <laughs> this is going to be awesome, right? To be able to create like this kind of a office environments in the comfort of your own home and uh you know micro microwave fish uh and not disturb anyone else but uh i th think this you know we're all gonna go there we're all gonna be there in some time and uh peter actually there's a question for you specifically so the question goes uh in your opinion if our company sells products but not online do we need a digital business model or is it only crucial for online companies Okay, I've made a note of that question and I'll come back to it. I'd like to make one last point because you were trying, please, I think, please. just to quantify what will digital business be and what percentage of uh, a business person's life will be digital. 
as opposed to what's the other alternative? We call it analog, I suppose, but let's call it face-to-face. -face. I, mean, yeah. I think we'll my guidance analog, would be that let's it's probably it. going to become one day a week that people go to the office. I mean, that might be two weeks every fortnight. So they might go for two days, but every two weeks. So if it's one day a week, I think would be a good number to think about in the future where people are prepared to meet colleagues, sit in an office, attend a meeting, maybe meet a vendor, uh, or meet a supplier or things like that. And I think yep. that's going to become the norm uh, in the long term, not just the, the near term, um, just to sort of close out that last section. So somebody asking about um, the difference between a company selling products only physically and a company selling products um, electronically. Um, I don't see that there should be a difference. Uh, I can't think of any company that can afford to only be selling its wares physically in a store or from an office or through salespeople or through physical deliveries. Every company, I would, I mean, sorry to be categorical, but every company must have a digital presence, must offer an e-commerce alternative. Um, every type of product these days, the buyers of those products are researching and looking on the web for information about the products. And at the end of the day, want to complete their process and click an order as well, even if it's an airplane or an airplane engine or a car. Uh, and so uh, that cycle is complete. So I don't think that any business can not any afford anymore not to be present on the web, not to be offering its services, information, and the products on the web through e-commerce. I mean, I'm quite quite categorical in that direction. Oh, but it's 100% accurate, though, because consumer expectations have changed, right? Like, that we've been conditioned to yep. just want that now in every aspect of our life. I tell this story all the time. Uh, you think about the Amazon Prime experience. I can go out, I can research products, I can compare products, I can read user reviews, uh, I can click uh, one time, order a product, they know who I am, uh, they know where to deliver, they know which card to charge, and in two days, they'll deliver it to my house for free. What yeah. an experience, right? So that's driven our behavior and our expectations in the way that we do business everywhere. That's how yeah, I want and to then you, And then you, get, then you get one of those Amazon buttons, right? And if you need to reorder, you just hit the button right. and it's going to be uh, automatically placed as an order for you right exactly. there on the spot. Yeah, and it's you want to you want to do everything. You want to manage your money that way. To, to your point, you want to buy an airplane engine. That's the, <laughs> that's the, how you want to be able to to manage. I guess um, one question that I have, and this is always you know something as a salesperson, and and I and I agree with it. And Alex, you and I, we probably haven't worked in the same office in nearly two years, but we're constantly on on calls and on meetings together. Um, but as a salesperson, uh, you know, I always question. Uh, as you're coming across these large opportunities, is someone going to hand you a million dollar check virtually? Um, is that handshake, is that face-to-face -face meeting still going to be required um, in deals where people are making these large purchasing decisions? Um, I, I, I don't know. Like we, we've been lucky enough, knock on wood, through this whole um, uh, crisis to be extremely, you know, busy. It's been a, a great um, time for us. We have, a, to be, we have a product that can help people um, digitize a lot of their uh, their operations. So, um, but my my concern is, as we get into those larger, you know, enterprise level deals, um, will 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 we be able to conduct business remotely and no, no. have them cut you a check? 
in the B2B world, there'll still be that requirement, especially for those types of projects where negotiation has to be done, where configuration uh, is part of the process. Um, sales, though, becomes just one of the channels as opposed to the overriding and dominating channel. Um, the customer themselves are basically selecting the channel that they want to use for different types of things. Uh, and so every company has been structured in such a way that the customers, the channel that's selected by the customer is useful, is effective, uh, including sales, including um, e-commerce, including digital marketing, whatever the channel or information piece is. So it's part of the whole package. That's definitely the way it's going. I mean, I, I was working with a, a company here in, in are they Liechtenstein or Switzerland? Whatever, Switzerland, Hilti. They do these big tools for the construction companies. Lots of discussion about sales enablement, what's the future of their sales force. Uh, and I mean, one of the sort of basic discussions we ended up with, um, there's a problem sometimes that the customer wants to go to an e-commerce site and order something, but the salesperson who's been there for an hour wants to go back and basically, what's the right word, sort of reward themselves for having worked an hour at the building site and going to the order processing system at Hilti and type in the order for the customer. And I raised then the one question, why is there two systems? Why do you have an order processing system for the sales rep and an e-commerce system? And they thought about it and said, well, maybe you're right. And then, by the way, the order processing system is 10 years old anyway, so it's, uh, it's costing lots of money to maintain and it doesn't have the same flexibility that our modern e-commerce system has. And so they moved very quickly actually just to put everything into the e-commerce system. Um, but by the way, they didn't sack all their salespeople. They actually hired new types of salespeople. They actually hired um, handwerkers, as the German call. They hired experienced people who had been working on the construction site or who were project managers uh, and, and had that experience, that work experience that was more applicable to us. And so that salesperson became the resource yep. they needed. Yeah, and actually, there's another thing that I was kind of thinking about when Eric, you mentioned about actually, there's the another consumer thing experience, right? And when he talks about like your experience working with, um, you know, buying from Amazon, another thought that I had here was actually the fact that uh, there are not even limitations, but there's also another factor that you need to count in when you think about digitalization, when you think about uh, moving to digital only, which is going to be. Uh, originality and digital maturity, if we can talk about it or we can call it like that, right? right. For, because for instance, right now I'm uh, locked, locked in in Cyprus. Uh, I've been here since January, so right before the, uh, the pandemic. And what I've noticed is that the uh, digital maturity here on this island and within this region is rather low, right? So there are less e-commerce platforms. Ordering online is not a very uh, common thing. Right. And of course, because of that, you can make an assumption that businesses are also usually performed face to face. Right. And there are many regions like that as well. And it is not in their tradition, business tradition, right, business etiquette to actually perform something online without having a personal interaction. And of course, these countries, they're going to take longer time to adapt to switch to digital as well, just because uh, they're going to have to overcome you know, years and years of something that has been a tradition for them, right? Uh, culturally, as a region and uh, stuff like that. So this is another factor I believe that is going to affect the overall digitalization uh, of the future. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of our point of view so far has been a very Western point of view, uh, although probably in Asia, 
all of what we said applies equally. Uh, but I suppose if you think of Arab countries where people want to haggle uh, as well, not negotiate, but haggle and tell a story behind each of their positions as they go down the price or up the price, um, that won't go away very quickly. And some clever Arabian programmer will probably think of a great application and write a great application to enable that to happen. Yeah, so you can tell your life story every time you, you, you haggle, bid a new price. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Brian, actually, there was another question addressed uh, specifically to you. And I think this is kind of like extending uh, our previous uh, conversation around, uh, you know, the demand of the customers going uh, um, face to face or doing it all online. Right. And the question goes, uh, in your uh, opinion, what are the key enablers for a digital only future? Right. So what would you say that is uh, is going to make it happen? Right. Yeah, I, I think I think in a little bit it is just time. I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot of the face-to-face -face things you're going to get is we talked a little bit about some of it's just raw trust, right? It's uh, it's meeting somebody. It's the old-fashioned handshake, especially in larger deals. Um, but some of it's just the normalization of a digital arrangement or digital interaction. Um, something popped in my head uh, just a few minutes ago about the transformation of small fast food restaurants or even larger restaurants that, you know, eight months ago, 10 months ago, I don't know what percentage I'm going to make one up 30% or 40% had the ability to physically order online, not call in an order, but actually order online. And I don't know about everywhere else in my neck of the woods, that's probably closer to 90% today. So we're talking in a six month span you've seen businesses be forced into a digital interaction. I don't think the, the interesting part for me isn't that the digital, uh, that the restaurants are now taking digital orders. It's that the consumer is now more uh, comfortable placing a digital order. And so when it, I think as it bubbles up from things as simple as that, um, you, as you now move into a larger uh, interaction like a software sale into a, or a, a large uh, consulting engagement, um, you're now more conditioned or more accustomed to that relationship. Uh, I think the difference between that and, and even some of the Amazon type ordering is we are dealing with consulting, right? We're dealing with training. We're dealing with uh, a lot of trying to pull people's needs, wants, desires, um, and, and use cases out of them in a way that they may not be used to. I think that becomes a challenge digitally. Uh, I think a methodology, maybe a technique, and some of it may just be generational as the generations that are more used to it move up the chain into both the worker and the management workforce. I think that will push that barrier down. I think some of it can't. I think some of it in the short term, I, I, I don't, I don't envision a technology change or something that in the next year and a half, two years makes everything or the majority of everything for those types of interaction digital. Uh, but I think as we move forward, you'll, you'll start to see some of that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you very much uh, for your thoughts in there, Brian. Peter, do you have anything to add uh, to the, uh, to the enablers there? Any uh, thoughts you want to share? Well, of course you need bandwidth. So you need the infrastructure in, in that country to support um, the desires of doing digital business and uh, purchasing e-commerce and so on. So 
I'm sure there are shortfalls there in, in many countries. Um, but I think a lot of governments have noticed where shortfalls have happened through this crisis, either the infrastructure or supply chains, pharmaceutical supply chains and things like that. And we're going to start to see a spate of laws, I suppose, parliaments passing new laws that are going to require companies to spread their inventory, to spread their supply chain around internationally and, and reduce the risk they would have into, into certain areas and to, and to certain concentrations. So I think there's going to be a lot of government attention to things like that to almost facilitate digital business. And right at the start, I talked about um, the barriers to transformation. And some of those barriers weren't just the people objecting to change, but they were also maybe infrastructure issues. And all of a sudden, what am I saying? The COVID crisis is going to help and motivate governments to do something about those infrastructure issues. So if anything, another accelerator for digital business transformation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you remember that maybe it was uh, two months in uh, into the into the lockdown, into the pandemic, right? Where uh, YouTube, uh, Netflix started to drop the quality of the videos, right? Because the increase in the uh, the load, the uh, basically number of people who are watching it twenty four seven, staying right. at home, having it just play in the background, has tripled, if not quadrupled, right? That's right. And it's not really bothered us, is it? So we, we don't really worry too much about the quality of the videos we're looking at anymore. Just as business people, we're always right, worried about doing video conferences because they'd have to put on a suit and be in a formal office. But now look at us. You've got a T-shirt on. I've got a polo shirt on. We're in our casual home offices. Uh, well, maybe that's just us. practice. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, maybe that's just us, right? Uh, <laughs> this is uh, how we do business. But um, of course, uh, you could tell that you know people now have also they they became a little bit more accepting, right? When it gets to the remote meetings and virtual meetings, right? Because everybody understands there might be background noise, right? There's the environment that you can't control. There's the environment you cannot control, right? If there's going to be a fire truck going down my, uh, you know, down the street right there. You're going to hear it, and I'm going to apologize for it, obviously, but I understand that everybody accepts this as a fact, right? Because yep. we're not in a, uh, uh, you know, 100% soundproof uh, room uh, that any, everybody can afford to actually get built in their, uh, into their home offices, like Eric here, for example, right? I, I haven't heard a single peep from, his, uh, from any of the meetings when we were with Eric together in uh, these eight months. So I don't even know where he is, maybe in a bunker or something. Well, you, you said afford, and that's just reminded me of another point I, I was going to make in terms of what's necessary for this transformation to be complete. And this is probably less on the business side, it's more on the, on the consumer and social side, education especially. Obviously, the availability of laptops, of tablet computers, not just bandwidth, but actually the devices themselves uh, is going to be very, very important. Otherwise, um, less able families, um, less affluent families who cannot acquire and buy those types of platforms are going yep. to be left behind as everybody else is going to their digital classes. Um, some people will be left behind. And that, that I think, is another issue. Well, you, well, actually, it's a very, uh, very interesting that you brought this up, right? Because what I've uh, kind of noticed happening, right, over the, even the past week, is that some companies are already kind of adapting to this point, into the fact that they have to have a home office, right? And two things: first of all, uh, Uber has allowed their uh, employees to stay uh, working from home until twenty twenty one, 
the end of 2021, right? And they will be providing around $500 each employee in order to set up a home office, right? In the way that they wish, which is already great. I think that's really an idea. And second of all, uh, I think it is Zoom actually who are now developing their uh, Zoom display for home, right? Which is going to be a second screen. It's going to be a, a touch screen. So it's going to work like a whiteboard, right? And uh, you can already see that companies are adapting to this change, right? They now understand that you have to not only provide the uh, infrastructure as a service, but as well technology that's going to support this working from home environment, right? And going, again, going digital, if we want to come back to our topic of uh, conversation here today. Yeah, that's, that's a huge point, Alex. So it's not just, you know, the technology itself. It's like you have to take these enterprise applications as well. So whether that's storage, uh, security, financial planning, all of that needs to be moved to the cloud. So that way, uh, you know, remote employees can access it uh, even uh, simpler so they can continue business. So it's, it's, it's a matter of equipping people as well, right? So not just the, the, the hardware or, you know, the physical uh, connection points, but also those legacy enterprise applications that you have. So in order to access that remotely and being able to uh, continue uh, business as usual, we have to start to think about how do we make those readily available uh, you know, in, in not only available, but secure in a, in a remote environment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't even imagine what was uh, happening uh, with those companies, right, that had a, uh, a legacy system that was installed on-prem in their office, not available, accessible from uh, outside, right, and uh, absolutely no idea how they survived this. <laughs> because when we talk about a cloud application, cloud platform, obviously, it's kind of uh, native and it's intuitive that you can from anywhere your mother's separate, you know, enhanced security, right? That should be enabled, should be possible, but it's still it's available, right? Mm -hmm. And when you talk about something that is legacy, that should have been gone for many years, but still was available <laughs> at the end of the prices. Uh, well, there's your digital transformation process right there, right? <laughs> this is why you should have started it two years ago. Not... More crabs being washed away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not not react. But, use yeah. that, Peter. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, perfect. Well, uh, I you know this is this is all very great, uh, Brian. We would definitely want to hear a little bit more from you. I know it's a little early in Sacramento, uh, and you're just starting your day. But uh, tell us more. Tell us uh, what do you see happening with your customers, right? Tell us how, how does your company address uh, the pandemic and the whole working from home environment. Yeah, I mean, we were over the years have always had regular office space, but also just because, you know, a lot of us do sales or consulting, uh, we were always working probably more than we should. So always at a home office anyways. So from our business, and I think always at a home office. All of the anyways. companies and friends so that I have our in business, business over the years have kind of been in the same boat. I mean, we, I think we've been dealing with this for a long time. Uh, what's more interesting for me is almost what we're seeing with the customer base, uh, with the prospect base. Um, and, you know, there was the first two, three months of everybody panic and kind of hold the breath. Everybody going, okay, this is what it is. Um, we're going to have to survive and deal with it. And so we're starting to see that change now. Um, so from us, from a business standpoint, we've been in a growth mode for a while um, and, and that we see that continuing. But more importantly, we're starting to see more traction. Um, our existing customers kind of, they've always, it seems like when things economy-wise or 
disaster-wise is struck, uh, have dug in and maybe done project work or something like that, but maybe not purchased. Um, and so we're starting to see both, both those things open up um, in both our prospect world uh, and, and in talking to other, other consulting companies, other uh, resellers that we've dealt with, we're starting to see the same thing. So uh, we're starting to see things kind of open back up from that standpoint. Um, again, that whole normalization of these digital meetings, I think it was a great point earlier. Uh, I've had this conversation both with friends and with business people of this is just normal. And if my dog comes and starts knocking at the door or my kids are upstairs being loud, nobody even thinks really two things about it. And one of the interesting things is if we were all sitting in a meeting room and the fire truck came by, there is no master mute button so we can have this, keep having this conversation. Um, you know, we all have the ability to mute or turn off our camera temporarily if we need to, uh, if something happens without really affecting the long-term results of the meeting. So, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. But also, but also this, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just like yeah. until before I forget, right. But also there are already tech companies and startups that have emerged that help reduce this background noise, startups that have emerged right. Again, that there's still, whenever there's going to be a possibility, there's going to be uh, an opportunity for a technology to spun up, it's going to spun up. And that's a hundred percent sure. Right. This is just what's happening. Right. And again, I believe that uh, those startups, they're going to grow, they're going to deliver it, right? And then they're going to be acquired by bigger companies, by Zoom, by Facebook, by uh, Google, anybody else who will actually be able to buy them, right? <laughs> so, I mean, and the area that I watch, it's, it's marketing software, marketing automation software. I mean, all the vendors that I know are reporting that they have increased business in the last two quarters. Some are heading towards a record quarter. Um, because of the uh, increased awareness in having to do something about digital marketing, um, spreading it out within the organization and existing customers, or even helping new clients, new customers uh, adopt a new digital marketing technology platform. The same with sales enablement. Uh, so that just shows the momentum that has really accelerated across digital transformation across most companies. And for me personally, I mean, I've been working from home for 30 odd years anyway, so that hasn't really changed for me. Um, my interruptions would be business trips to go somewhere to make a speech at a conference and or maybe hold a workshop. Clearly that's gone away. The conferences have now been replaced by virtual conferences. Uh, and lo and behold, four weeks ago, instead of going to London to present in front of only 700 people, all of a sudden I'm presenting at the same day in front of 3,000 people because the conference is virtual and all of a sudden there are people from South Africa and New Zealand logged in as well as people who may be in London. So in some ways uh, it, it's quite remarkable what's changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. Like, you know, as a, as a salesperson, you know, we're, we're always trying to coordinate, you know, large meetings with uh, remote teams, right? Um, and how do we get everybody in a single location? Uh, you know, to take part in this meeting. Well, you're trying to coordinate it. You're trying to get people to fly in from different areas of the world, the country. Um, doesn't course, you're always going to Las Vegas or the Caribbean and things like that, aren't you? As a sales. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, with uh, the virtual aspect now, we're able to just pull everybody together. And I'm with you. I've been 20 plus years, uh, you know, working remotely, whether that's in an airport lounge, a hotel room, my office here in my home. I can conduct it from anywhere. So, um, you know, it's, it's also made it uh, a 
a lot easier to coordinate these large type meetings, especially, uh, you know, doing uh, global business as we do here at Creatio. It's a lot easier to get everybody in a, in a, in a virtual conference room than it is to, to fly people halfway around the world just to, just to talk about uh, contract terms. But uh, at this point, gentlemen, I think we're going to be closing down this uh, Creatio arena. I would like to thank you all for participating, for finding the time. Uh, Eric, Brian, and Peter, again, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for joining uh, today. It was a pleasure having you uh, on the Creatio arena. And uh, have a great day. Thanks, gentlemen. Bye. Pleasure talking to you.